Herzlich Willkommen bei The Kings of Europe und zu der Saisonstart der Bundesliga 2018-19. Und natürlich wie immer, hey BVB! All right, welcome back to the Kings of Europe. And that was an awesome Dortmund intro by yours truly. I couldn't help myself. I had to say, hey, ya, BVB. And uh, unfortunately, I don't have uh, many Dortmund fanboys with me here tonight. I have actually the opposite. I have invited the enemy to my front doorstep. Yes, the FC Schalke podcast in its entirety is back on the Kings of Europe. And we're talking everything about Dortmund. So we're going to talk 100% Dortmund tonight. It's going to be a pro black and yellow podcast. I'm just kidding. We're not doing that. Anyways, I'm going to jump right into this because I love these two guys. They are essentially family to me at this point, and they're on basically every week. So at this time, I want to welcome to the podcast uh, my good friends, Jack and Richard from the FC Schalke podcast. Guys, how are we doing tonight? Doing well, watching American handball, so it can't be can't do any better. <laughs> that sounds really boring. You know, you know, I think family are the people that you trust to uh, be honest with you and give you constructive feedback. And so, in that spirit, I have to say that wasn't a fan of that intro at all. Uh, well, I I thank you for I I am very thankful for the honest <laughs> feedback. Um, so that is in fact what family does. And I am very grateful for you for coming forward and saying that because that builds trust, Jack. That's what that does. It builds trust. And I have trust in you and I have trust in Richard that you guys are going to pick Dortmund in front of Schalke. As you know, it will happen. Um, uh, one year one year is one year too many, my friends. That's, that's how it goes in Gelsenkirchen. That's, that's how we do it. Uh, so everybody, I want to welcome all the Kings of Europe family into what is the Bundesliga 2018-19 Season preview. We're going to talk everything about German football, about Bundesliga, about Bayern, Dortmund, Schalke, Leverkusen, Leipzig. Uh, we may even talk about FSV Mainz 05 because maybe Mainz gets relegated this season. Who knows? Um, 
So before we start, I just want to talk about these guys real quick. Uh, FTS Hockey Podcast, these gentlemen do such a great job. Um, they just had their, you guys had your season preview, just the, 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 the premiere episode last week, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Week before, yeah. So everyone needs to go listen. If you're a, a fan of podcasts or if you're a fan of uh, German football or if you're a Schalke fan, which if you are, I feel sorry for you. But if you are, uh, it, that is your prerogative. Please check these guys out. They do such a great job. Uh, very entertaining dialogue. They, they talk everything about the Royal Blues. And uh, it's very nice to have Schalke back in the Champions League. And I do say that with the utmost sincerity. Because uh, uh, as I say in, in, in Italy, Richard, as you and I both said, two good Milans are good for the Serie A. And a strong Dortmund and a strong Schalke are good for the Bundesliga. Can we all agree on that, gentlemen? Can we drink Amen. to that? Yes. Yeah, could not, could not agree more. Yes, indeed. Uh, so, um, at, without further ado, we're going to jump right into this bad boy. Guys, we're talking Bundesliga, and we can't start off talking Bundesliga without talking about FC Bayern München, the sixth time, sixth time, as Booker T used to say, sixth time defending, reigning Bundesliga champions. It's gotten so boring that they don't even want to win the title if they can help themselves. But they just somehow seem to fall into it every single year. They've been, shall I say, not so active on the transfer market. They took Schalke as arguably their best player last winter in Leon Goretzka, the German international. Uh, they got rid of a crybaby in Max Maia, who is now playing in the Premier League. Uh, not for a major Premier League team, might I add. So he actually went from a Champions League side in Germany to a uh, mid-table slash relegation something in England. Um, they added some nice pieces uh, with, obviously, the addition of Serge Gnabry coming back from loan from Hoffenheim. Renato Sanchez comes back from a loan at Swansea. And they lose Douglas Costa to Juventus indefinitely and also uh, Arturo Vidal. So guys, what do, we, what do we think about Bayern? They obviously haven't done too much. There's always a chance that Bayern could pull a trigger on deadline day or do something you know, to strengthen themselves. But yet, Bayern leadership, uh, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, and Otmar, uh, Otmar, wow, Otmar Hitzfeld. I almost said Otmar Hitzfeld. I don't know why I said that. Um, <laughs> um, uh, shoot, Uli Hoeneß, sorry. They have both said that Bayern's not going to make any more moves. So between the three of us, all three of us share one thing in common. We all want to beat and take down Bayern. Have they done enough slash do they have enough to compete on three fronts? I'll turn it over to Richard first. Um, well, let's not forget that they won the league by 21 points. Uh, so they didn't really have to do much. Yeah, they lost Arturo Vidal. Uh, Douglas Costa is officially gone for, uh, permanently. Now they brought back Canabri, uh, brought back Renato Sanchez. They picked up Alfonso Davies, who I was big on before when he was in MLS. And I, I think Byron were snooping on my articles because I wrote a piece on him about why he was so good. And boom, he gets picked up the next week. So um, do they have enough for three fronts? Yeah, Byron are stacked with talent. Um, they're going to compete on three fronts. Uh, how far they'll go in the three, definitely in the DFB Pokal and Bundesliga, they're going to go do pretty well. Champions League is another animal. Uh, I'm still yet to be convinced by Niko Kovac. Sure, they did really, really well against Eintracht Frankfurt uh, in the in the Super Cup or 
in the in the what is it called, right? Yeah, the DFE, this uh um yeah, Super Cup, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh yeah, they did well there, but um uh, overall, I think they're going to do well in all three tournaments. They're going to they have enough depth there. Um they they still got some guys there. Yes, they're aging, but uh with the talent at their disposal, the young guys are going to get a chance to play. Uh they're going to be okay. Jack, is the youngster from Canada actually going to play though? I know they they purchased him for 10 million euros and that's, you know, for a kid of that age, that's uh quite the amount, but uh that seems like more of a long-term investment rather than a uh, uh an immediate insertion into the lineup. So, we're talking about a uh, Robert Lewandowski who's always rumored with Real Madrid, doesn't matter what season it is, it seems like he's always, you know, talking about Real Madrid or somehow in the rumor for that. They may, they've already lost Cristiano Ronaldo. They may be losing Luka Modric to Inter Milan. Uh, they, they can't afford to lose much more. Lewandowski, uh, the transfer window in Spain and Germany is still open. I don't see him moving this offseason, but you know he always seems to be linked with them. In addition to that, uh, Arjen Robin and Frank Ribéry at this age, I don't know how much more you can depend on them. They're losing one of their best wingers. I feel like a mistake selling Douglas Costa to Juventus. I thought he was... Um, integral in Juventus' success last season. Uh, they went pretty far in all competitions. Obviously, they won the domestic double, and they, they uh, barely lost to Real Madrid in the Champions League. What, what do you see? Now, there's rumors that Sebastian Rudi could be heading to Schalke before deadline day, which would, which would weaken their, their midfield, obviously, at the number six position. What, what are your... What, I mean, Bayern stack, I agree, with like first-team talent, but do you think they have the depth to go uh, three deep? So definitely a strangely quiet summer for them, uh, very much out of character in that regard. And uh, I do think that maybe some of the bigger moves have been the departures rather than anything that they've added. Uh, And it looks like if there are more moves to come for Bayern, it's likely that those would be departures as well, Uh, whether, you know, Boateng leaves or something along those lines, um, which would be a huge loss for them because I think maybe one of their least deep areas on the pitch would be at the back. Uh, which, you know, one of those guys goes down with injury or something, you're definitely in trouble. Uh, I definitely agree with Richard, and I think I said this basically last time I was with you, Critty, is that um, they've been dominant in the Bundesliga. And even without making a ton of moves to shore things up, there's no reason to assume, barring uh, Kovac's tenure just going horribly wrong, which I don't think any of us anticipate happening, and it certainly hasn't gotten off to that start um, in the Super Cup, right? Uh you know, I, I don't see anything really changing in the Bundesliga. It might be closer, but I think they'll be fine in that regard. I think the thing for me is that uh, this is a Bayern team that's really failed to kind of get over that final hump in, hump in the Champions League over the past few seasons, and they haven't done anything to change that for me. Um, so I would anticipate if there is a step back for Bayern, maybe it's a step back in that competition uh, rather than uh, one in the Bundesliga where maybe they don't win the league for the first time. I, I still think that they are favorites and should be um and then as far as the the douglas costa thing i i completely agree with you you know ribery and robin as phenomenal a pair as they've been for as long as they have been uh they're not getting any younger uh costa was you know tore it up when he first came to Bayern, played very well for juve last season and you know you'd figure that he would be somebody who could slot in on the wing for you know the foreseeable future if he had stayed so that's that's a big loss for me for sure Okay, so Richard, uh, another guy they get back from loan from Swansea City, the relegated side in the Premier League, now playing in the championship. 
is the 2016 European Championship sensation Renato Sanchez. Uh, He did nothing at Bayern in 2016-17 in his first season. He was loaned out by Carlo Ancelotti to Swansea to start off 2017-18. And I can tell you from watching Premier League, it was an unremarkable campaign for him there as well. What this guy was, you know, a pretty expensive transfer, all things considered, for what you know, German clubs, even Bayern included, spend on, you know, incoming players. So, is there anything that he can do now? He's two managers past Ancelotti at this point. He's now past Jopinkis, and now we're on to Niko Kovac. Is this a fresh start for him? Can he? Is there anything he can do? I mean, he's still so young. Can he do anything? Do you, do you think though to get back into this Bayern team and play a significant role? Uh, absolutely. Um, he has to look at it as a first start because if he keeps looking at doubting himself about how he played with Byron before and how he did last year, um, it's just going to spell bad bad luck for him. Um, he was obviously given that kind of money because he played really well. Yeah, sure, he had uh, some talented players here on the national team with him that got him all the attention, but he has he has his tremendous skill that might have. When he got signed by Byron initially, I think it was just too much for him. I mean, he maybe he believed the hype and didn't train as hard as he was doing before. And Byron put him out there way too soon. They should have eased him into the team. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for him, at least for his sake, uh, that you know it's a fresh start for him and he can reinvigorate his career and and have a long career. But um, it really depends on his mindset. If he if he has any kind of doubt, any kind of lack of confidence, it's not going to happen. We've seen so many players that you know they had all this hype and then. Uh, they go to another team, or they get a, they get the the limelight on them, and then they just they shrivel. So uh, we'll, we'll this is this will be a big year for for Renato Sanchez because if he doesn't do all well this year, it it may not happen for him. He may have to go to Portugal or some smaller league and and try to uh, resuscitate his career from there. Uh, I agree with that. That's yeah, well well said on that. I think he's he's on a, sh- a short leash to say the least. Uh, Jack. Number six position, the center defensive mid. Uh, Byron has Javi Martinez. Obviously, they are talking about transferring Sebastian Rudi to Schalke. Um, even though there's rumors saying that Schalke has not con- made contact, I believe there is some interest. There's, there's, where there's smoke, there's fire. I'm not saying the move is going to go through, but it is definitely being spoken about. And they lose Arturo Vidal. So how, how, how big a move, how bad does that hurt Byron losing their midfield enforcer? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, Vital's a world-class player when he's at his best, and he's been a very important cog in that machine for, for quite a long time. And uh, Sebastian Rudy, uh, you know, regardless of what you want to say about his performances last year, is somebody that's held in, I think, pretty high esteem throughout the league and would be a big pickup uh, for shot. And that'd, that'd just be classic Dortmund. I mean, well, Dortmund. That'd be classic Dortmund. Whoa, whoa. Like, they, yeah. they, they tend to just kind of buy everybody in sight every year, and then it seems like only half of them stick in any sort of long-term sense. And the same thing happened with Sanchez. Um, although, I mean, obviously, he's back and has a chance to prove that. But, um, yeah, I mean, w- once again, this is a team that hasn't made a ton of moves, and uh, the ones that look like they might be coming down the pipeline would be losses as well, and they're just going to continue to get a little bit thinner um, you, you definitely don't like that with how many fronts they have to compete on. So we saw Bayern win 5-0 in the Super Cup. And let's be honest here. This is a depleted Frankfurt team. The guy that, it, that, that, that architected the win against Bayern is now on Bayern's touchline, that being Niko Kovac. So, I, you know, I, I give credit 
where credit's due, but I also have to say this this Frankfurt side is compl- is is utterly depleted. They've lost their manager. They've lost Kevin Prince Boateng. They have Ante Rebic, but you know they lost Amarius Wolf, who came on in the last season as as a as a huge asset in the second half of the season. They lost Radetzky too. That, yes, yes, exactly to Leverkusen. So yeah, Leverkusen, right? I think he went to. Yes. Yes, Leverkusen. Yeah, right. Because uh, he replaced uh, Bernd Leno. So, th- this Frankfurt team, you know, they won the DFB Pokal. They are the trophy holders at the moment. They're not going to repeat. And I believe that with them with them competing on, we'll get to Frankfurt later, but uh, that, that's, I don't know how much, I'm not going to put a winner's medal around Bayern's neck because they beat this Frankfurt, this version of Frankfurt, uh, 5-0 in the Super Cup. Uh, I, I do think that Bayern... Uh, they will have their difficulties on three fronts. And we'll talk about them in the league later. We're going to make our league predictions later. But I want to know how far you go, how far do you think Bayern, with competing on three fronts, how far do you think they can realistically go, as it stands right now, with very few reinforcements and uh, quite a few departures in the Champions League? Because we know, honestly, Bayern are the Juventus of Germany. They, they want above all else to win the Champions League. It is their ultimate goal. It is what they strive to do. It is the crowning achievement for a Bayern side like Juventus that have combined won the last 13 domestic championships between them. So, what do we obviously, like in, in, unlike Juventus, who strengthened themselves massively, Bayern has not done that. So, do we, do we honestly think that with a new manager, a new system... Very few new players and a lot of departures that, as it stands, that Bayern could go much further than perhaps the quarterfinals this year in the Champions League? Jack? I don't. Um, I, it's certainly possible they could get back to the semis, which is where they kind of topped out a number of years recently. Uh, I think the quarterfinals is probably a safer bet. I don't think that they're I, – I think there's at least four teams that are better than them, honestly. Um, in Euro- least, In Europe, you mean, right? Yeah, in Europe, okay, okay. absolutely. Um, I, like, like I said, I, I think if anything, they regress a little bit in that competition this year. Anything's possible, and they certainly have the talent in their squad to beat any team on you know any given day if if they if the chips fall the right way, right? But um, it, it's it's a tough ask for the reasons you said. I, mean, I think a lot of the other teams they'd be in direct competition with, or at least you would figure would be, uh, have have done a lot more this off season than they have to uh, bolster their squads. And if you if you look at it, if you compare it to the, the the German teams that are in the tournament, you'd have to favor Bayern to go the farthest, right? Uh, but in any given year, anything can happen. We saw you know Schalke when they made it to the semifinals back in what is it 20, 2012 or whatever, and then that one team that made it to the finals that lost to Bayern a few years back. So you know it happens every now and then. <laughs> so uh, take a shot at Dortmund. Right. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I and, and and I mean Dortmund. Uh, Obviously, with a little bit of a they 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 didn't I don't want to say struggle. I mean they finished third in 2016-17, but they did uh, go to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. They lost to Mon- to Mon- I can't even speak tonight. They lost to Monaco, but that was after the bus bombing. So that I always I will always forever and and always put an asterisk next to that. That was uh, Kylian Mbappe's coming out party that season. But you know if the, if they hadn't had the uh, you know a person try to murder the whole team. Maybe they would have performed a little bit differently, but they were on a roll that season. They were performing really well. So you're right; anything can happen. Schalke did make it to the quarter uh, to the semifinals 
uh, back in 2012. I believe that was when Raul was playing for them. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, they beat they beat Inter. I see, yeah, yeah. I wasn't hoping to bring that up, Richard. Thanks Double for shot. Reminding. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I really appreciate that. Um, so okay, well, um, I want to I want to this time move on to uh, uh, Dortmund. We'll get back to Bayern later when we make our predictions. Dortmund has had guys. This has been a a, a, a very active transfer market. Uh, they have they, honestly done a lot when it comes to transfers. If you look at some of the transfers they have going out and going in, they almost match each other as far, uh, you know, uh, equally. You know, they got rid of Andre Schule. They have gotten rid of Gonzalo Castro. They have uh, loaned Felix Paslak back out. They've gotten, you know, they brought in Abdul Diallo. They brought in uh, Marius Wolf from Frankfurt. They brought, they've gotten rid of Andre Yarmolenko. Uh, this is... To me, this is almost a complete squad overhaul for Dortmund. They have, um, they do have the core team from last season, if you will, still in place. You know, you, you have Akanji, you have Toprak, you have Piszczek, you have Royce, you have Götze, uh, Dahoud, but they have added a lot of pieces to the puzzle. And the last of which, which was considered a what they call in Germany a Schlüsselwechsel, which is a key transfer. Uh, being Axel Witzel from the Chinese Super League uh, via the way of Zenit, St. Petersburg, and Benfica. Uh, obviously performed very well in the World Cup. And they, in, they enabled or, and they activated, they did something, whatever, you, whatever the, the verb is for the release clause with Chang Chuan Chung Chung. Don't even try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. Chang Chung Chung Chung. That, uh, former Chinese employers. Yes, former Chinese employers. So, Jack, you said to me two weeks ago that if Dortmund solidify the Axel Witzel transfer, you guys have had a good window. Do you stand by that comment? I do. I do. I liked a lot of the moves that you had made prior to that. I, I thought you were a little overhyped on them just because of your bias. Although I mean, I'm neutral, I, sir. <laughs> I'm neutral. Hold on a minute. I, I did. I did like that. This is but a neutral. That, this is a neutral podcast. This is a neutral podcast. Uh, we, can, we can say that, but I mean, come on. We all, we all, yeah, we all know. But uh, uh, that, yeah, that was a move for me that I that I was concerned about from the Schalke perspective. Uh, Axel Witzel, I mean, he. To me, he's been a world-class player that's just kind of been hiding out at not world-class clubs for whatever reason for the vast majority of his career. Money? Um, you know, no, yeah, I mean, yeah, basically. Um, he did, I mean, every time he pops up on a stage like the World Cup, I, I think everyone sees him and remembers like, oh, yeah, that guy's out there. I don't think about him every day um, as a soccer player, but uh, he's, he's a phenomenal talent. Uh, huge signing. For Dortmund, and they didn't have to spend a, a ton of money on him either. Yeah, honestly. twenty million. I mean, twenty million. Yep. Yeah, by, by Bundesliga standards, that's not you know small change or anything. His talent, even though he's getting up there in years a little bit, uh, I think that's a totally fair price, and I think it's 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 an excellent move, and it really kind of rounds out the overall package you've put together uh, in this off season. Most expensive transfer was actually Abdou Diallo, twenty eight million euros to Mainz. But let me ask you guys one thing. Uh, one other thing I'll say real quick. Sorry, just to jump back in. Yeah. If you would have held on to Batshuayi, I would have been super high on you. Yeah, I do think the striker position is still a little bit of an issue, but um, even so, I, I like the moves a lot. Uh, Richard, between the two twenty million dollar midfield transfers, obviously, I know which one I like better. But between Thomas Delaney and Axel Witzel, who do you think is going to make the bigger impact this season? 
Ooh, that's it's tough. Um, Delaney's had has uh, Bundesliga experience. So you got to give him the edge on that. Um, I I haven't seen much of Alex Witzel in the league play. I mean, he's been playing in Russia and and China respectively, and those leagues. Sure, they're they're okay. I'm sure, but uh, they're not the Bundesliga. And I think Delaney will have the best adjustment in the beginning. Alex Witzel probably will catch up and then probably surpass him through the season. But I, I think Delaney will be will be out the gate much better than Alex Witzel will be. So um, uh, I do like the Delaney pick a lot. And then uh, of all the picks you guys had, um, he is he's probably up there. I mean, obviously Witzel, you can't you can't deny that. But um, Delaney, I'm very very high on. And there's also the the right back you guys picked up from uh, Real Madrid, Hakimi, the young player. He, yeah, he's a yeah. he's a good good uh, very skilled player. I think one of the addition by subtraction, I look at two players. I look at Andriy Yamalenko and I look at uh, Andriy Schule. Andriy Schule was the, is the most expensive transfer in Dortmund history, which is completely laughable. I understand that he played at Chelsea and he had an integral part in the 2014 World Championship for Germany. I know that he assisted the winning goal of the World Cup to Mario Götze, who now plays for Dortmund. But he has been an utter disappointment. Three goals in two seasons at Dortmund. So I, I look at him as, unfortunately, uh, an opportunity lost. But when you look at who they've added, I, you know, for 5 million euros, Marius Wolf, that is... That, how, steel, how, how, could he, how could he possibly be worse than Shirley, right? Yeah, I, I think he's up there with Salif Sané as maybe the steals of the season, wouldn't you say? Yeah, he's got to be, for sure. Yeah, Salif Sane is awesome. We'll get to we'll get to him later. But um, so guys, uh, do you think that Dortmund have done enough to at least and, and no, no disrespect to anyone else? And we'll get to Schalke. I I I I have nothing against you guys, honestly. And I'm not. I'm I, and I will. We will get to you guys as far as title contention later. But has Dortmund done enough to at least compete with Bayern? For a few months, have they done enough, or do you think that this team will need to gel? Much like, uh, say, when Jurgen Klopp was building his team that won the Bundesliga in 2011 and 2012, he started to put the pieces together as early as 2008, 2009. But it took a couple of years for them to get together and really become the unit that they became all the way to the 2013 Champions League final. Does this team, with Obviously, I would assume the front three are going to be Pulisic, Royce, and Philip at this at this point. With I guess a backup of Alexander Izak at striker. I mean, that's that's really the only true number nine they have on the team. Uh, have they done enough to keep it close at least for say ten to fifteen match days? Anybody can take that. I'll, I'll nominate. Uh... <laughs> I'll go. Okay. So, you know, I, I listened to the Yellow Wild podcast a lot, and they were talking about last year about all the guys that they're they're driving them nuts. And you mentioned a bunch of a bunch of them, and they they got they got let go. Yep. And they brought in new players. So Dortmund brought in a lot of players, much like Milan brought in a lot of players last year. And and I think the same problem will happen, is that you know all these new players on the team they're gonna have to gel together, and it's gonna take a while. So I think, um, you know, Byron may slip up because they got a new manager in the beginning, but Dorman needs to gel. And I think as the season goes on, they're going to get better and then eventually, you know, probably catch up to catch up to Byron. But in the beginning, I mean, unless these guys have this um, 
play, you know, the, the tactics are so great and, and they find this chemistry in preseason that they're already on that on that level. I think it's going to be a struggle for them in the beginning just to get to know each other because you, you got all these new bodies now and you're like, all right, uh, where, where do you like to go? You, you know, you got to feel each other out and stuff like that. So I think it's going to take a little bit of time for Byron, uh, for Dortmund, but uh, ultimately I think they'll be in a good position once the guys are all on the same page. Um, they're going to have enough, I think, to compete with Byron for sure. Jack, what are your thoughts? I'm a, little, I'm a little bit more optimistic for you in terms of the amount of time it's going to take to gel. I mean, the preseasons these days seem like they're so long. It seems like the, the you know the window where these players actually have time to rest and vacation and take some time off is getting smaller every year. You know, Dortmund playing these ICC matches in the states as well. Um, they've had some match time together already. Are they going I mean, I don't think any team's going to come out of the gates you know at 100 form, but um, I wouldn't be terribly nervous about it I, I think the question is really going to be is the form that you see kind of early on going to be more indicative of what they're going to be or not um I, I mean I think it probably I mean is, is, is like is Dortmund going to be 60 percent gelled at the start of the season and have like you know this 40 percent ceiling that they can can reach up to I, I don't know I, but if for some reason they start badly I'd definitely be concerned for you if, to me Byron's I, I think Byron's still going to be Byron for the most part I think I am a little bit less um, optimistic for how uh, th- this title race being significantly tighter. Is it going to be 20 points? Are they going to lock it up, you know, a month before the season's over? Maybe not, but is it going to be, you know, within doubt the last couple match days? I, I don't think it will be either. So, uh, yeah, I-, I don't expect Dortmund to get off to a slow start there. I, th- I think they'll be in decent form right, right from the beginning. Yeah, and, and of course, uh, the Champions League draw will that that they're going to be once once again, and uh, I guess they'll be pot four this year, so they'll be with uh, in the same pot as Liverpool. Uh, Dortmund is not a they're not a typical number four because I think that they're much stronger uh, on paper than a number four team would be. But uh, that did not work out for them last year. They got into the arguably the group of death in the Champions League with Tottenham and Real Madrid, and. Um, yeah, I think it's imperative that Dortmund advance to the round of 16, at least through the winter break of the Champions League, and uh, continue to, to to earn that money and 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 you know make headways in Europe because um, they are a team that's ambitious to break out into Asia. They have uh, done a, uh, an American tour in the United States this year, obviously headlined by the huge match against Liverpool and Charlotte. So they, they have ambitions to become a, a global brand, much like Bayern is. So I, I think that it's imperative that they succeed. Lucien Favre, obviously new manager coming in from Borussia Mönchengladbach, also in the midterm. He's been at uh, Nice, uh, led them to their first Champions League qualification ever. So yeah. they have a, a competent manager who is seemingly, seemingly going to go with a 4-3-3. It seems like he's going to go uh, with pretty much the... Uh, Peter Bosch, uh, Peter Stuger formula that that um, at times last season uh, did not work. Of course, now there's different personnel. So uh, I will say for myself, I am very concerned about the number nine position. As you said, Jack, uh, Mishi Batshuayi was a, was a fantastic fit in every way, shape, and form you could possibly imagine. He was yep. in the locker room, a, a, a perfect blend of social media and positivity. He always had a smile on his face. He seemed genuinely happy to be at Dortmund and get the playing time. He scored a ton of goals in a very few amount of matches. And 
he just fit their style so well right off the bat. Right. And I agree 100%. And I think the Dortmund should have done everything in their power to sign him. I curse Hans-Joachim Watzke for not doing that. Uh, Michael Zorc the same way. Uh, they had this excuse that they have to still sell a few players before they will pull the trigger on a striker. I would suggest seeing if they can offload Marcel Schmelzer, who apparently against Schalke can't even make a fucking first touch. But that's that's neither <laughs> here nor there. Um, you know, Nuri, uh, Nuri Shaheen is another guy who's, out, in my opinion, uh, long outlived his welcome. There is this uh, sentiment with Dortmund that doesn't seemingly resound with a lot of other major European clubs. And it's, I guess, to a certain extent, you can say it's both a curse and a blessing. Uh, they have this thing where if you're tenured, like a Roman Weidenfeller or Marcel Schmelzer or Nuri Shaheen, you're one of these club guys. You've been around for so long that you are synonymous with the club. But in my opinion, it's a business. At the end of the day, football has become a business. It's all about Champions League. It's all about European qualification. It's all about advancing yourself within that tournament. And if you have guys like Nuri Shaheen that are slow as a snail and Marcel Schmelzer that has obviously lost a step and can no longer be the starting left back for Borussia Dortmund. That should that honor should go to Rafael Guerrero at this point. Um, it's time to it's time to cut ties. And the first tie that was cut was Marcel Schmelzer giving up the captaincy and then obviously Marco Royce taking that. There should have been no other player uh, in my opinion the last couple of years besides Marco Royce, but somehow Schmelzer was um, was the captain. So while we're uh, on the left back situation real quick, yeah. how do you feel about Zagadou going into the season? Uh, I think Zagadou is a, is, is a lot of raw talent, and I think he's a completely unfinished product. Uh, he started at left back for Schmelzer when he was injured at the beginning of last season, which uh, he did, I guess, okay. He's a natural center back because of his size, speed, and uh, style of play, but he... He is. I would. I would say Zagadou would probably benefit from a loan rather than staying in Dortmund this year. Okay. Just personally, I think they have their center backs. I think that they basically are going with Diallo, Akanji, and Toprak. Those are the three guys. Zagadou would be probably the fourth option since they uh, could not manage to seemingly find a place for Monty Bender last year. So he will play. I think. But, uh, you know, probably the DFB Pokal will be where he gets his calling. Um, Dortmund. Do, you, do, you think he'll, do you think he'll play in the Derby again? No, I do not. <laughs> no, no, I do not. I, I do not. He's, he's, still, he's still very raw. And, you know, Dortmund got him for, for basically pennies. It was a, I mean, I can't remember the exact amount. It was either a free transfer or something like 250000 it, it was It was nothing. It was crumbs. No, I mean, I definitely agree with you. I think he's probably more of a center back ultimately. I just know that he, you know, he did play left back on a couple occasions, the Derby being one of them. Yeah, because they had no season. choice. They and, had no and, choice. And given, given the Schmelzer issues, I was wondering if you if you saw him maybe getting rotated in there. Uh, no, I, I really don't. Um, the, the other guys I, I say that uh, obviously Dortmund benefited from getting rid of is Socrates. I think it's long... It's long history here on this podcast that I have my issues with Socrates, and I think he is a fantastic addition to Arsenal FC. I, I wish him all the best there, but he is no longer worthy of wearing the black and yellow. And of course, uh, Eric Durham, 
I had a lot of hope for Eric Dorm. I'm 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 not uh, one of these guys that was happy to see him go. I think that uh, injuries held him back, and you know it's it's uh, it's one of those unfortunate scenarios where, unlike you know Adam Milana or Daniel Sturridge, who got to who had to prove themselves after having long injury stints, uh, Eric Dorm simply could not fit into the lineup at any any point. He was uh, injured under. Thomas Tuchel, he was injured under uh, Peter Bosch, he was injured under Peter Struger, and he, you know, was ultimately sold uh, this offseason. So I still think he's a pretty good player. Uh, saying that, 2014 world champion with Germany, he was on that roster with Joachim Löw. Uh, just a lot of unfulfilled potential there, and I hope that he does find his way back into some kind of um, permanent role with some squad, but uh, unfortunately not with Dortmund. We're going to be able to shock it now. Um, so this guy's is your, this is your time to shine, my friends. Uh, we have lost the captain, the captain of all captains. Benedict Hubertus is finally gone after a really disappointing season with Juventus. He is now with Lokomotiv Moscow for a minuscule amount. Uh, I mean, really, really pathetic amount, uh, of 5 million euros to Lokomotiv Moscow uh, Benedict Hubertus, who I hold in high esteem, he's only 30 years of age. He was a part of the 2014 World Cup champions. Just a really shame how his career at Schalke ended, uh, if I do say so myself. Obviously, Koke is now with Levante. And Max Meyer, good riddance to Crystal Palace. Leon Goretzka, goodbye to Bayern München. And the other big transfer just happened recently. 37 million euros, Tilo Kehrer to Paris Saint-Germain. That is, uh, I, you know, that that's that's one of those opportunities that's too too good to turn down. When you say, Jack, absolutely. L- listen, I'm not happy about Tilo Kara leaving. Uh, it's it's yet another young, promising talent that, that we've lost to a bigger club. But uh, given the issues Schalke's had in recent seasons with, um, you know, making sure that people leave when they're under contract, because uh, we keep losing people for free, I have absolutely no problem with selling him. Uh, you know, prior to this last season, which was going to be his last season under contract. Now, there were some, uh, I think, I forgot if it was Heidel that actually might have made this comment. He, I think somebody said that maybe he had already kind of agreed in principle to a new deal. So I guess that changes things to some extent. But $37 million is a lot of money and certainly a lot more than I would have expected we would get for him. Um, he's a good player. And, you know, in this, in this transfer market, which is just obscene these days, how much money clubs are spending on players, I guess anything can happen. But I, I kind of would have thought that, he'd probably go for somewhere more around 20 million. Maybe he'd top out around 30, uh, you know, pushing 40 million is, is an excellent bit of business as, as disappointing as to see him go. I think, I mean, as, as Schalke came out and said, uh, that's just kind of a financial impact that you can't reject. That, right. That's, that's huge money for us. Uh, Richard, let's talk about the additions here. I think, uh, Schalke did brilliant business this summer. Uh, Mark Oot on a free transfer, Steven Strabinski, Union Berlin for $3.5 million. Salif Sané, $7 million. He is a World Cup participant. Hannover 96, $7 million euros for Salif Sané, the number one aerial uh, center back in the Bundesliga. You can play him at center mid also if you want to, center defensive mid, that is. Omar Mascarell for $10 million and Suat Sadar for $11 million to FSL Mines. You guys spent... Very little money, and I feel like you've got a lot of quality. Tell me about your additions to this team and how you feel about them. Well, we're ecstatic with these signings. I mean, Salif Sané 
imagine having Sané and Naldo going after corners or, or free kick balls. I mean, that, that's just a nightmare. Naldo scored so many goals last year, and now you got Sané in the mix now. So uh, it's going to be a pleasure to watch those two in the air. And then defensively, you know, it, it solidifies because he's, I think, an upgrade from Tilo Kerr. As much as I love Tilo Kerr, Salif Sané uh, is this stout defensively. And like you said, he's he's versatile. He could play the defensive midfielder if he wanted to, but uh, he's going to be that center center back with Nastasic and Naldo. So uh, ecstatic about that. Uh, Serdar and Mascavel, you know, we had we obviously had a void with the six and the eight, you know, the, the, the leaving the team last year with Meyer and Goretzka. And so those guys uh, both can fill the roles, though we have, you know, that we, Schalke do have players already in those positions or on the team that could play those positions, but that's just more depth. And Schalke needs depth going into like Champions League and DFB Pokal. Um, it's all about depth right now, and that's what they're getting. And then the big one for me, at least, was Mark Uth. Is you know, as much as we love Guido Burgstaller, he like Jack said last like, last week. He said you know he's good for maybe ten to maybe fifteen goals a season. And you need a proven striker, a clinical striker, and Mark Uth can provide that. And he's also pretty versatile himself. He can play on the wing. He can play attacking midfield. So that's just uh, it's just more things that Tedesco has at his disposal to make the team even more dangerous. Um. We know they're going to be Chalk's going to be a good team defensively, and and the those three of the four signings are going to help that tremendously. But also, you know, those midfielders are going to help with the attack as well, and um, it's really going to push the competition in the midfield to really make sure everyone's on top of their game at all times. Yeah, and Rudy would only add to that if that yeah, ended yeah, up exactly. happening. Obviously, not a done deal by any stretch of the imagination, but that would just be one more Absolutely. piece that we would add in the center of the park. I think if you guys signed Sebastian and Rudy, that would be the signature of the season uh, or the summer, in my opinion. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm for, forecasting here. It's not, like you said, a done deal by any stretch of the imagination. Just talk at this point. But, uh, Jack, let's talk about Schalke season last year. Uh, second place. So, Vizemeister in Germany. Um, what is there to be expected for this season? Obviously, Schalke did that last year not having to compete in Europe mm-hmm. at all. They only had to play DFB Pokal matches, which, you know, that's once every now and again. So they only had to really focus on the league. Now they have Champions League, finally for the first time again since 2014-15. Uh, well-deserved. And uh, I, I, I think that it's great that Schalke is representing the Bundesliga in Europe once again. Um, been too long. So having this uh, triple threat, with the, uh, the the domestic league, obviously the league and the Champions League, what do you has Schalke done enough, and can we expect them to succeed on all three of those fronts? Remarkable return to form last season under Domenico Tedesco, eleventh place to second place, uh, right back where we want to be uh, ahead of Dortmund, uh, obviously. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, throw that in there, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I got to enjoy it while while we're still kind of in that last season, right? It's the only, I mean, anything can happen in a couple weeks here, so I'm, I'm going to milk it while I can. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah. It's, it's great to be back in the champions league. I think we all agree. That's where Schalke should be. And mm-hmm. I like a lot of the moves we've made uh, in terms of getting depth for those competitions. But for me, the question is still, yeah, maybe we have enough players to, to cover those competitions, but are those players of the talent to really compete in the champions? Like I don't, really know if we still have quite the level of talent we need to make any noise in that competition. Um, It's good to be back and I'm going to really enjoy watching those games. I'm not going to expect us to go super far. And honestly, I'd still prefer if we focus 
on qualifying for that again, because that's got to be the goal at this point is is consistent qualification for the Champions League. Um, yeah. It, it, I, I would be. I'm, I think I'm less worried about Schalke um, overextending themselves than it would be about like a club like Frankfurt, right, in in the Europa League or something. So I'm not trying to you know over exaggerate here um, with you know Schalke just kind of being in the Champions League only for show. But I, I do think the Bundesliga campaign is is far more important to kind of regain that that stand uh, that status as a consistent Champions League team. But um, yeah, Tedesco is phenomenal. You know, first season, I would fully expect that to continue. Um, it's just a question of how much did Schalke overperform. This is what I said a couple weeks on your on your on your show last time I was here. I, I do think that we probably overperformed a little bit. I didn't expect us to finish second, and there was a lot of good teams last season. Um, I think we kind of just grinded it out through defensive organization and yeah, um, and kind of eking out a lot of close games. And I don't know if that's going to continue. I think a lot of teams have improved to some extent. And uh, I like the signing of Marguth. You know, I, I think the offensive issue for us was, was a big one. And I, hopefully we're going to get better there. But um, it's going to be hard to, I think, maintain that footing, which which may have been slightly fluky even last season. And then you add the Champions League into that mix. That's, you know, that's a dangerous cocktail. I, I, we just can't slip, obviously, too much further than second. We got to kind of try to stay right where we are. And it's going to be interesting to watch if we can maintain that. Um, so, Richard, uh, Schalke stands uh, to be possibly, let's just say, for example, they get into a Champions League group with Barcelona and Liverpool. Because that could happen. What is Schalke's demeanor in that particular aspect? Say they have, obviously, a Premier League championship contender in Liverpool who went to the Champions League final last season. Barcelona, who always basically is a shoe-in for the quarterfinals. And Schalke, and they'll probably have some, you know, Greek team or, or Besiktas or somebody like that, and you know, in, in, in the third team that's in that group. Uh some Where does team. some Greek team, PAOK <laughs> or you know uh, Olympiakos or Besiktas would be a big team. It would be three, the third big team in those games. Uh, Fenerbahce or something like that. Yeah, whatever. Um, if Schalke, if Schalke gets the so to speak a group of death in the Champions League, uh, how that th- that has to be a how do I say this? There has to be a, a a priority as far as where you prioritize your values. Is it the, obviously it's not the domestic cup. You do there what you can. If you don't win that, that's fine. It's not a big deal. But the, the league and the Champions League are the two main focal points. If you end up in, say, a, a group like with a, 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 a Barcelona and a, or, you know, Liverpool, do you just basically say, hey, we're going to have six great European nights and whatever happens, happens, but we're focusing on the league? Or do you, or do you still try to compete on both of those fronts with, with, uh, with, with, your, with your biggest shot that you can shoot? I expect them to win the group. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, if, you're, if they're playing, if they're playing with in a, in a group of death, per se, you know, I think the way they need to address it or attack it is, you know, give your best performance. One, this is experience in a, in a big tournament. So eventually, if the team gets to that level where they're uh, contenders in the tournament, you want to have this kind of nights where you get the experience. So in the beginning, you start it out and, and you go for it, uh, do what you can, try to get get some results. But as as the match days go on, and once you get a match day three and four, if you're noticing that it's starting to affect your performance in the in the league, 
because I'm with, I'm with Jack. The league is the, is the priority. That's when you say, you know what? Forget it. Let's put let's put their like uh, our our second string guys out there and give them some some pitch time and then focus back on the league because the league and Champions League uh, the Champions League spots that's the ultimate goal and of the season no matter what. So you want to have that at the very minimum. So like I said in the beginning, go for it. You know, go guns blazing, see if you can get some shock results. But as you know, match day three and four go on and you see that the the league performance is slipping, I'd say hey get out of there. Yeah, 100%, 100% percent agreement for me. I, I would personally love being in that group. I think it'd be a lot of fun to watch. Those are two phenomenal. I mean, we're not advancing from that group, obviously, a Barcelona-Liverpool group. But um, I would love to see us test ourselves against two of the best squads in the world. But I completely agree with Richard. I think if, think if, if we end up drawing a group like that, the first two, three games, we're definitely going to try to win those. And then when we inevitably probably fail to put in some great performances, I think at that point you just you start McKenney. If you haven't already been starting him, you start Harit, you start Cedric Toykert, you start guys like that. Some of the younger players that you're investing in, um, as we try to rebuild the consistent Champions League presence, get those young guys some some experience on a big European stage, um, and then just you know kind of ride out the rest of it. Okay, that, that's so. Say you guys finish third in that group. Say you beat uh, Besiktas or Olympiacos or. Um... Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of a like like a uh, Dinamo Zagreb or something like that, right? So then you guys fall into Europa League. Um, th- that doesn't that doesn't really lighten the burden, if you will. Then of course Schalke. That that's a competition that I have. You know Schalke has won it before. So you know again, it, it's something that I, I think Europa League is not necessarily the. Um, how should I say this? The, the stepchild of the Champions League anymore. You've had some pretty prominent winners lately, especially with all Europa uh, League. It might be more difficult than Champions League, just because how many teams are in there? How many? Good right. How many teams are in it? And the fact that that Atletico Madrid won it last season, and Atletico, Atletico Madrid is a very credible team, and they just won the Super Cup, the European Super Cup from Real Madrid, uh, uh, just this past week. So, yep. Um, you know that that's uh. For Schalke to win the Europa League would be a great coup, if you will. So I don't see Schalke out of European football until at least February. So that, to me, as I don't as, like, I don't like that at all. <laughs> well, and they're gonna have to do the same mentality as what Jack and I are saying is that you know leave your second stringers in there or your young players in there to get experience and focus on the league because that has to be the main goal. Yeah, you want to do do well in these tournaments, but not at the expense of a Champions League spot. Like two two years ago, when we were in the Europa League, that was an important competition for us to win because we were trying to qualify for the Champions League because of the season right. we were having. We knew we weren't going to be there based on our position in the table, so we kind of had to go, you know, guns blazing in that and, and try to make it to the final. I don't really think that's the case anymore. I mean, that's no disrespect to the Europa League. I just, I think if we finish third and we get knocked out of that, I personally don't really care what happens in there unless for some reason we make a remarkable run. But I would prefer us to just divert our resources. And then of all the teams you lose to, you lose to a German team in Gladbach. Wow. Unreal. Ajax, we beat Gladbach. What are you talking about? Us, right? You did. Sorry. Gladbach lost to you guys. I apologize. Shit. I'm sorry. You guys, you guys lost to Peter Bosch. You guys, yes, it is. You guys lost to Peter Bosch. Jesus Christ. Oh, my German team. Yeah, basically. 
No, no, that was all part of the plan. We intentionally lost the pitcher. Yeah. Because so yeah, they think he was good. Damn right. And we overtake you in the league the next season. See, it's, it's, we're just, it's 40 chess, Critty. It's 40 chess. Well, if the league had ended after match day seven, we'd be German champions. So, anyways. Um, so, we're moving on to RB Leipzig, guys. Uh, obviously, they lost to uh, Nabi Keita to Liverpool. A nice little transfer fee there. $60 million. Bernardo goes to Brighton. And the only other big name, I guess, Beno Schmitz, he went to FC Köln. For 1.5 million, they lost him. But they seemingly they do some good business. Like last season, they brought in Jean Kevin Augustin. Um, then this season, they signed uh, Nordy Michele from Montpellier, 16 million. Uh, Matthias Kuna from Sion, 15 million, and Sirachi from River Plate down in Argentina uh, for Sriracha. 12 million. Yes, yeah, Sriracha sauce. Yes, uh, very good by the way on chicken. Uh, I can also put it on beef. And uh, a fish is also very good with fish, sriracha sauce. Um, guys, RB Leipzig obviously has the starting striker for the German national team, Die Mannschaft, as Richard calls them. Uh, Timo Werner is still playing for them. Emil Forsberg, obviously a World Cup quarterfinalist with Sweden. He uh, is the, uh, the, the number 10, the, the central midfielder that makes things happen there. They have Ralf Rangnick, who's the architect of, of uh, RB Leipzig, down from the second Bundesliga to get them promoted before they obviously went in a different direction. Now hiring as of 2019, July 1st, 2019, Julian Nagelsmann of Hoffenheim will take over as Ralf Rangnick is doing a one-year interim management spot just to, so to speak, um, cover the, the, uh, the gap there. Uh, they have... Uh, They've sidestepped the 50 plus one rule by basically having a board of 17 members or so. I think it's uh, 20 or less. And all of them are uh, high up ranking members with the Red Bull Corporation uh, out of Austria. So they all vote in the way that the um, club wants them to vote. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not a true representation of what a, a German, how a normal German club operates. So they do, they do have money. And they do have a phenomenally young team with uh, a lot of talent, a manager with a lot of experience, and one of the best young managers in the entire world coming in as of next season. Uh, beyond this year, now, Europa League is where they're going to find themselves in Europe this year, but they've already finished as runners-up to Bayern once in their inaugural campaign in the Bundesliga. They have played Champions League football they have their first win in the Champions League already under their belts. Where do we see RB Leipzig this season, guys? Is this a, um, is this a team that we can see uh, consistently competing for a top-four spot, Richard? I think so. I mean, as much as you know, people hate how they sidestep the 50-plus-1 rule, everything else in this organization is top-notch. I mean... The fact that they're, you know, they have this rule about we're not going to sign anyone you know, over 22 years old. That's that's great. You're thinking about the youth. You're trying to invest. But that means they're going to be around for a long time. And the players that they're bringing in, like like Cunha, he had 10 goals last year, and he's already got a goal this season in, in Europa League. So, uh, and the and the playoffs. So, he, I love what what Leipzig are doing, and I can, I can see this formula lasting for a long time, not just short term, which is great. And now they got bringing in Nagelsmann the year after, like you said. Um, Leipzig are going to be a force for to be reckoned with for a while. Uh, can they can they become champions? We'll see. Uh, but I think they have enough there. I mean, and they still have Timo Werner. They still have 
Uh, Emil Forsberg, like you said, this is a this is a team that you're gonna have to pay attention to because um, they're they're. Uh, sorry, my dog was barking. I, I had stopped there. There was a, uh, there was a uh, Dortmund fan outside your door. Yeah, I can exactly. see it. I can see him. He's wearing he's wearing a damn he's wearing a fucking Dahoo jersey. Of all things, bastard. Uh, Jack, Jack is uh, is Leipzig here to stay? Are they for real, uh, or is um, as you say, is the fizz going to run out of the soda with uh, yeah, Red Bull? They're they're probably still here, much to my annoyance. Um, why why are you I annoyed spent, with them? Why why why? I no, I just I spend so much mental energy, you know, thinking about Dortmund and and, and, and other more. We're talking clubs. about Dortmund again. Jesus, can we? Yeah, and then everyone no, but then every every once in a while. I'll just be like, oh, yeah, RB Leipzig is still a thing, and they're still going to be crazy. I mean, Timo Werner is insane. You have Willie Orban, who's kind of a rising star. Um, yeah, regardless of how, whether or not you like the way RB Leipzig has achieved what they've achieved, the fact is they've achieved it, and they don't really show any signs of slowing down yet. Um, I do think Nabi Keita is a massive loss, and, and as I said last time I was on here, uh, to me that's that's a loss that almost overshadows anything they've done in the offseason to bring players in. Um, so I guess there's a chance that could end up being a big deal. I think they have enough talent to, to overcome that, and I fully expect them to be very much in the mix and in the hunt for a Champions League spot once again. Okay, so we talked about... Uh, so, so with Timo Werner, obviously, I don't see him staying there long-term. I think that, obviously, he will probably end up in the Premier League or La Liga or somewhere pretty big like PSG or something like that. Um, but they they have enough money and enough resources to reload. They can find the next team over there. So I don't think that they necessarily have to worry about that that loss uh, specifically. I think that they can always re- reload. Uh, the 50 plus one rules, they said they sidestepped it. They found a, sort of a loophole around it. And, you know, that's, that's to me... I think they get a lot of hate for unnecessary reasons. That's just good business. They they they're trying to compete, and a lot of people hate the way that they came up because of the way that they came up. And look, if you're a new club like this, everybody else has been around for a hundred plus years, and they've had to go through all the trials and tribulations of World War One and World War Two, and then the post World War, then the formation of the Bundesliga. Well, RB Leipzig started like in um, 2009. And they fast-tracked themselves to the Bundesliga, I think, uh, what was it, uh, three or four or five consecutive uh, promotions. They spent two years in the second Bundesliga, and then they moved right up to the to the uh, uh, top tier in Germany, finishing second only to Bayern Munich, which is a, a hell of an accomplishment. Um, I don't share the same sentiment of hate for Leipzig that most, most people do. I think that they're an ambitious club, and I think that they are serious about taking Schalke and Dortmund down and competing with Bayern. I think that they have ambition, and I like that. I, I want I, More competition for the Bundesliga is better for the viewer. It's, it's, it's better for people to wake up on a Saturday morning and watch the Bundesliga and see actual uh, you know, uh, teams that are trying to compete with, with, the, with, the, uh, with the Bayerns of the world. So my, my question is, guys, is that if... Um, do you see, even despite the fact that they have to play in Europa League, uh, it, it, this, this, this Leipzig team as it stands, is there any shot at all that they contend for anything? Because I think, that they, I think this, this team will prioritize 
the league as its main focus. So if um, you have Bayern competing on three fronts, you have Dortmund competing on three fronts, and you have Schalke competing on three fronts. Obviously, Leipzig is not going to be as motivated as those teams because they're playing in the Europa League. Is there a chance that they could sneak in and maybe make some noise towards uh, the title picture, Richard? Absolutely. Um, I think they're going to go with their even their youngest of youngsters for like those those tournament games like Europa League. But I think they're going to focus all their energy on champion on on uh, again a Champions League spot and the Bundesliga. So I do think they're going to be making some noise. They're they're a team that you're going to have to pay attention to this year. Uh, last year they had a little bit of a regression, but hey, it's all right. Uh, they're just they're they're one year older now, and Timo Werner is just as good as he was last year, probably better. Uh, and uh, just like Jackson, they got Willie Orban back there. Their team is is loaded with with talent, and I think they're going to make some noise in this in this this season. What do you think, Jack, about that? About them uh, con- in in the league contending for some kind of league? Uh, I'll I'll go ahead and say competing for the league title. It's definitely a possibility, especially as you say, with them probably diverting less attention elsewhere than some of the other clubs will be in direct competition with. Uh, but as I said at the top of the pot, I still fully expect this to be Bayern's show, barring something you know crazy and unforeseen. So uh, I don't, I don't expect them to make a lot of noise for the title. I think there's a good chance that they keep a big name club from qualifying for the Champions League, though. Okay. Fair enough, and we'll get to our predictions later on them. Guys, I want to move to a team that's uh, they're, they're sort of a sleeping giant. I feel like they have a pretty talented squad. Obviously, the best player for them is Lars Stindl. Uh, they have Dieter Hecking as the manager, so he has Champions League experience. He almost knocked off Real Madrid to uh, 2015-16 Champions League. Uh, Wolfsburg had a 2-0 aggregate lead going into the Bernabeu in that fixture. And... Um, I'm talking about obviously Borussia Mönchengladbach, and I think that they have they have enough talent to challenge for the top four. And at certain points last season, they looked like they were making a run at it, but they never could quite put it together. Uh, you know, they they obviously their big signing was from Nice, which was um, you know uh, uh, you know Alessandro Plié, and so he's he's coming over. He is, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's their record transfer fee of 23 million euros. That's uh, an unusually high sum of money for a team like Gladbach. That they're normally there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they also get Andreas Polson from Michland and Michael Lang from FC Basel for 2.8 million. But that's, you know, Keenan Bennett's obviously from Tottenham, the, the U23s. He's another one that a lot of people are saying. He could he could be the next Englishman, kind of like Jaden Sancho, to take the Bundesliga by storm. But the the, the focus obviously is on Plea. So what what's holding what's holding the foals back, guys? Uh, wh- why this team went from obviously Lucien Favre to um, Andre Schubert? I just remembered his name, Richard Andre Andre Schubert. Yeah, there yeah, it is. There yeah. it is. <laughs> and back to back Champions League qualifications. A third place finish in the Bundesliga and a fourth place finish in the Bundesliga to now mid table. This team is far better than mid table. So, so uh, Jack, what do you think is holding Gladbach back from from being in that top five conversation? I think part of their Champions League run recently kind of coincided with 
Um, what I mean, number one, like the dip in Schalke, to some extent the dip in uh, Leverkusen, uh, and then also, you know, it's kind of a little bit pre-Leipzig to some extent. So uh, right now, I feel like the top 10 of the Bundesliga, as we saw last season, is extremely competitive. So even teams as good as Gladbach are going to struggle to break into that top four, even when you'd maybe look at their squad on paper and say, you know, that's absolutely a team that's capable of qualifying for the Champions League, and they are. It's just, you know, it's a matter of converting that uh, over the course of a season. There's going to have to be a few teams that are on the outside looking in. Um, but, I, I mean, I do like the I do like the squad. I think I would love to see them kind of regain some of, like, you know, the running gun style of play to some extent they had a few years ago under Favre. I think, I mean, they were a very exciting team to watch. Not that they weren't last season, but um, and I think they have the attacking talent to, to pull that off. They, you know, they still have, as you said, Lars Stindl. Is still there the signing of Alessandro Plie, uh, Plie, uh, Torgan Hazard, Raphael. I mean, these are all players that are capable of of, of making some noise there. So uh, I don't know if anything is necessarily holding them back. Um, I mean, they have the power of Hecking's eyebrows to you know guide them to victory, which is always good. Um, it, I, I kind of like them this season, but once again, it's just kind of where where they're where are they going to fall in, in a table that's this competitive? Um, you know, two through eight or nine, maybe potentially it's, it's, it's just tough for certain teams to break through. So Richard, what are your thoughts on that? As far as Gladbach and their sort of uh, unfulfilled potential, and especially as it pertains to the league, because they haven't necessarily, especially last season, they didn't have to compete in Europe. They, they only really had to focus on the league and they somehow, even with a manager who has experience within the champions league has taken the team pretty far into the champions league, the final eight with a chance to knock off, the eventual winners that season, Real Madrid, what, what, what's, what's missing with them? It seems like while they may be progressing, you know, and their team is progressing, they're, they're getting passed by other teams in the Bundesliga. And like, and like Jack said, it, it just, you know, the top half of the table is so stacked. And it's, yeah, while you may look good on paper, there's so many other teams that are also good on paper. You know, it's, it's hard. And, you know, I like the signing of Alessandro Plie, but, you know, he had Mario Balotelli at Nice, and so he doesn't have them now. Yeah, he'll have Lars Sindel there, sure, for sure. But I think, you know, losing guys like, you know, Yannick Vestergaard and Vincenzo Grifo are going to hurt them. Uh, and it, it's like, once they lost Marco Royce, it seemed like there was a, a, a downward trajectory by them. And, you know, you would hope that when they lo- lost him, they would have replenished him with an, another talented player or, or two or three players, you know. But um, it just, for whatever reason, didn't happen. And, uh, you know, now the other teams that they were ahead of before, you know, when they were in the Champions League, are now getting much better than them. I don't know, much better, but better than them. And so it's, it's going to be increasingly difficult. And unless they have some breakout players or breakout performances this season, it's going to be really hard to get in the Champions League spots or maybe even Europa League spots because it's it's very, very competitive league. I, I, I agree with that. And, you know, they're one of those teams that obviously I, I kind of root for because as a traditionalist of the Bundesliga, you know, obviously their run to the 70s is is I- iconic. They won the, the obviously the bulk of their uh, German titles. Uh, I love back- those retro kits, too. Those were some beautiful, beautiful kits. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, they're, they're the Traditionsverein, and they've... Um, They've fallen on hard times. They've, they've resurrected themselves from the ashes. So, I, you know, they're one of the teams I always pull for Gladbach because I, I feel like they're, they're you know, Bundes, they're, they're Bundesliga pure through and through. But I, I feel like Dieter Hecking is not necessarily the best manager to carry them forward. I think that they had to hire someone 
as kind of a, a, a panic hire. I think when Wolfsburg sacked him, he was available. They took the best and biggest name at that time, which so happened to be him. And I'm honestly surprised that he retained his position after last season, especially finishing where they finished. Yeah, they were in the top half of the table, but uh, that's not good enough for a team with that much quality. You're talking about Rafael. You're talking about Lars Stindl, as we talked about. Um, you know, Jan Soma in the goal, Swiss international. So uh, a lot of unfulfilled potential there with those guys. One thing I'll say is I think of, of any team that I think everyone would kind of consensus not have as a, as a Champions League favorite going into the season, I think they have the best chance of qualifying for the Champions League. Okay. Do you agree with that? Uh, I think that they can sneak in because they only have to focus on that. It's finish, finishing in the top four. But I say that with an asterisk next to it because they had that same position last year and were not able to get the job done. But I do... I, I do see your point, and I I I I, uh, I I had that on my radar as well. But we'll well, I'll make my top seven predictions later. But Richard, what do you think about mm-hmm. that? I keep hitting mute. Um, yeah, they're 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 certainly a good team. Do I think they can get in the Champions League spots? I'm not sure. I mean, things have to fall the right way. I mean, teams that have been, that did well last year will have to have a, a drop off which is possible I mean, frankfurt I think, yeah. frankfurt's gonna drop off frankfurt's gonna drop off that'll be someone that finished in front of them that will come back so yeah that's true but i see other yeah. teams also stepping up too so it's gonna it's gonna be a, a dog fight i think for those spots and uh you're gonna have to earn it to get there now sure i'll, I'll, I'll get i'll give them a chance i mean anything can happen um but yeah it does. It, it dramatically helps that they're not playing the Champions League or any, in a, an outside tournament this year and just yeah. focus on the league. Because we see what happened with Schalke last year. Went from 11th to second. So it could be a similar situation for all we know. Well, guys, we're going to talk about the team that was unfortunately the uh, unfortunate uh, recipient of a Europa League qualification based on pure goal differential. They did everything they needed to do to qualify for the Champions League but they didn't get the goal differential. Instead, Dortmund finishes fourth, and Der Ewige Zweite, the eternal second, always the the uh, the bridesmaid, never the bride. Baya Neufia, never Kuzin. Oh, that that's a burn right there, never Kuzin. I'm I'm so sorry. Um, guys, let's talk about Leverkusen for a sec. I mean Leverkusen for a second. Sorry, shit. I'm, I'm, <laughs> um, you keep promoting their podcast. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. So. I, I really, with, with all jokes aside, I really, really, really like this team. I think that they were unlucky last year. I, you, know, you could say that they qualified for the Champions League on a points, 55-55-55 uh, with Hoffenheim and Dortmund. They all three finished with the same point, points with uh, only the goal differential being the difference. Uh, this is a good team. They will be in the Europa League this season, but they signed Paulinho from Vasco da Gama. They got Mitchell Weiser from Hertha Berlin. Uh, this is uh, the, the only real big loss they have, obviously, is to Arsenal, which is Ben Leno, but they put, they replaced him with Lucas Hideki from Frankfurt, who was one of the best goalkeepers in the Bundesliga last season. Yeah. Free mm-hmm. transfer. Guys, we just talked about Gladbach, and we talked about them only having to compete on one front. Now, yes, Leverkusen has Europa League, but you have to think with this, uh, they have slightly better squad depth than Gladbach. They obviously have Kevin Forlan. They retain Leon Bailey. They have possibly a better goalkeeper than they had the year before with Hardecki over Leno. 
They have mm-hmm. they have Jonathan Ta. They have a German international Julian Brandt. This is a good team. They can get into the top four this season, no questions asked. Don't you think so? Uh, Richard, let's go. What do you think? Uh, 2018-19 on Leverkusen, what you got? I, I like Leverkusen a lot. Like yeah. you said, they got they have so much talent on their team. Uh, they were Jekyll and Hyde last year, which is which is their fault. Um, at times when they when they were at their best, they could beat anybody in the league. And then at other times, they lose to the bottom teams with head scratchers. And you're like, what's going on here? They're very similar to Lazio in, the, in, that, in that respect. Um, I'd expect them to improve in the, in that in, in in that regard. And you know, I do like their signings: Paulinho, Mitchell Weiser, and obviously Lukas Radetzky is is massive pickup. I got I got him for free. I mean, how much would he have cost if they try to pay for it? Pay for right, it, you know. So, right. um, I, I think they're doing things well. I think they're gonna learn from their mistakes last year. Leon Bailey's only gonna get better. Uh, Julian Brandt and, and and so on and so forth. Volan. So this is a good team. This is a scary team. I, this is one of the teams I'm scared to face every year because of the potential of how good they can be. And we've seen them at times at their best, and they can just score four goals like it's, like it's going out of style. So um, I think it's a very strong possibility that it'll make Champions League. Jack, what are your thoughts on uh, Leverkusen this season? Yeah, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to offer anything that uh, really is, is different from what you've said so far. This is a team last season. Can you, that, can you at, at least times... try? Can you at least try? at times they look like the second best team in the league and at times they looked like the 10th 11th 12th best team in the league uh it was it was inconsistency that that really did them in uh but at their best they were electric and could definitely hang with anybody uh you know you you really look forward to another season of leon bailey and julian brandt uh, as they continue to grow and progress in their careers and and i mean that's going to be a ridiculous pairing up there if they're on the pitch at the same time and it's a strong squad. You you like you like their chances of, of qualifying for the Champions League. It's just uh, whether or not those same issues will, will do them in again, uh, as as was the case last season. So, Richard, do you think uh, do you think Heiko Herrlich is the right guy to take them on this journey into the Champions League qualification? Do you think that it was? Do you think that his management had anything to do with the fact that they finished much like Schalke the season prior? They had a massive improvement within the standings over the next season. Is this uh, more or less that Leverkusen actually played up to their potential last season, or do you think Heiko Herrlich is the is the right manager for this team? Uh, he could be the right man, but I didn't. I, like I said, I don't like what they did last year, going up and down as far as inconsistency. Um, if he can get them to play on a more consistent basis and at the potential that they can play. I mean, he he is the right guy, but uh, yeah, I'm curious. This is a big year for him, I think. If they have a, if they play similarly to what they did last year, um, I think they'll be looking for another manager. Now, if they can improve on the defense, make that make that consistent effort, and, and continue to do have stellar game after stellar game, uh, then then they found their guy. I mean, he 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 should know this team better than anybody else because he's been there. But um, they gotta they gotta get, they gotta make some things better because, uh, like I said, last year's if they play the way they did last year, they're not gonna do anything this year. Oh, well, at least as far as you know, getting to the Champions League spot or, or doing well in, in Europa League. But um, yeah, it's 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 a tricky, it's a it's a big year for 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 Herlich, no doubt. So Jack, what are you? Or, uh, as far as thoughts on the manager, it, you know, Heiko Herlich comes in the first season. Obviously, uh, Domenico Tedesco comes in the first season. They both turn their clubs around. This is. Uh, this the, it, Richard said this is kind of a, a a prove it year for him. Do you do you think would you not say that he proved himself last year? I mean, by taking Leverkusen from basically double digit table position all the way to fifth, and and like I said, on points they qualify for Champions League. They only didn't qualify because of goal differential. I thought he did 
a pretty good job for a first year manager with uh, as, as little experience as he actually has. I do as well. I, I definitely agree with, with your take on that. Uh, I guess what I would say is, despite the good season he had last season, uh, with the moves that Leverkusen has made in the offseason and how, how good everyone's expecting them to be, this is they're probably going to want Champions League football, right? And if for some reason they take a dip and finish worse than fifth, or if they once again fail to crack that top four, depending on how management and ownership kind of looks at everything, and you know, they might end up looking for a new manager saying, hey, we think we have the squad talent to be a Champions League right team, and you're, you know, you're unable to take us over the hump. Um, they need to address the inconsistency issues. And would it be harsh if Leverkusen had another similar season to last year and, and Herlich was let go? I think it would be harsh. But, um, you know, that's kind of the nature of, of top flight football. Uh, you know, these things happen all the time. It's you got it. You got to find a way to get in that top four. Otherwise, changes sometimes get made. So I, I, I have faith in him, though. I mean, I think I think he's definitely the right man in the, for the job right now. I don't see why not. It was, it was definitely an impressive run. Um, and it's, yeah, as you said, it's another manager, much like Tedesco, who comes in uh, without a ton of experience behind him and, and makes a big impact right out of the gate. And that definitely seems to be the trend recently for the Bundesliga. And I think that's a really exciting thing to watch. All right, guys, real quick, let's talk about the other, the fourth qualifier from Germany for the Champions League. That would be TSG Hoffenheim 1890. And this is a team that has a unique situation on their hands. So before we talk about the unique situation, let's look at what they lost. They didn't do too badly. They lost, obviously, Serge Gnabry to Bayern Munich on the loan. They lost Felix Postelak to Dortmund. His loan is over, which isn't a big loss at all. He very, he very rarely played. And obviously, they lost Mark Uth to Schalke on a free. Uh, the other th- the other stuff is pretty much, um, it, it doesn't even bother mentioning. They got uh, Kasim Adams from BSC Young Boys. They got Leonardo mm-hmm. Bittencourt from Köln, the uh, relegation team. Uh, really good signing I like is uh, Vincenzo Pifo from Borussia Mönchengladbach. Obviously, via uh, SC Freiburg. I yeah. think that he is unfulfilled potential. I think that he he's only 25 years old. He had a really, really good career at Freiburg and kind of uh, hit a wall, if you will, at Gladbach. Just did not ever really, uh, he just never seemed to, 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 to fit in there. And uh, yeah, I think this is a great start for him. I think Nagelsmann can do uh, really good things with him. And the last one is they get Ishak Belfadil uh, from Standard Liege. So that's another good signing, 5.5 yeah. million. I, oh, yeah. I think Hoffenheim has done some good business, guys. Uh, they are in pot three for the Champions League, so they are going to be. Uh, that's that's guys. Uh, that's over there with the uh, Olympiacos and the Besiktas of the world, um, <laughs> as we talked about earlier. Some Greek team or some some Turkish team or maybe a Croatian <laughs> team. Um, I do not think that they will have a snowball's chance in hell of advancing in the group stage of the Champions League. I think if they're lucky, they will finish third and somehow manage to get into the Europa League round of 32. And as a result, I do think that this, the unique situation we spoke about before is that Julian Nagelsmann has a contract that expires on the 30th of June, 2019 with Hoffenheim. On July 1st, 2019, he becomes the manager of RB Leipzig. So he is basically a, an outgoing product for a team that is playing in the Champions League for the first time ever. And 
they know if they win the Continental Treble, he will not stay. He is he is already signed, sealed, and delivered to RB Leipzig come July first of next year. Uh, Richard, I'll start with you. How unique of a situation is this? Does this play into Hoffenheim's season? Is it weigh on the players' minds that basically they're playing for a guy who they know won't be there past this season? And is there any hope whatsoever that they have a repeat performance in the league uh, like they did last year? Oh, well, as far as repeat in the league, it's very possible. The team is, uh, while they did lose some good players, they did pick up some other ones as well. So it's, the chance is there. They're going to be in the mix for sure. Um, will the you know Nagelsmann move affect them? Um, I mean, it could just because of the the chemistry in the room, but I don't. I think it'll be very professional. I think Nagelsmann will want to uh, try to show his future future employers that you know I'm going to Champions League with with and have a, a good tactic, good mind frame in in, in that way because he's be, he'll be expected to be in the Champions League with, with RB Leipzig, right? So I think he's going to try to do a performance. Yes, it doesn't matter because he has a job, but he still wants to go into the the new job in, in good standing. So. I think Hoffenheim will be good. It'll be hard to replicate what they did last year, but they'll definitely be in the mix with the Champions League spots. And I'm agreeing with you that with Champions League, there's no chance they're going to get past the group stage unless they have the weakest groups of all. But I doubt that's going to happen. And maybe they go to Europa League and maybe they do okay. But I don't see them going deep in either tournament. I think their their focus has to be uh, the Bundesliga and maybe even the DFB Pokal. But um, I I think it's going to be... Interesting what kind of management uh, Nagelsmann has. And I think the, the team will rally around him. He ha- he seems to be a, a, a player's coach, and, and guys rally around him no matter what. So I I, I think they'll leave him in, on a good note, and he'll um, head to Leipzig with uh, with uh, plenty of motivation because he'll have experience in Champions League, and it's big. Uh, you don't want to go to a new job and, and face Champions League for the first time with the unknown. It's, it's best to get your foot in the, in the door get your feet wet and, and, and get some experience. So I think that'll be good for him ultimately. So Jack, is this uh, piggybacking off what Richard just said? Is this Hoffenheim is just happy to be there. We're just along for the ride. Six champions league nights, six glorious champions league nights, three in Hoffenheim, three away. We treat our fans to some awesome road trips, possibly Barcelona, possibly Real Madrid, possibly Manchester city, possibly Liverpool, wherever. And that's the end of the road. And that's the that's the glory of 2018-19. The focus has to be in the league. Would you not agree? You have to uh, understand that you're, you're, you're basically getting one final season of Nagelsmann. You need to take full advantage of that. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that. I think that's the smart, the smart move. And certainly from, uh, the, for the fan base, that's probably the smart move emotionally. Because uh, I don't, I do not expect them to to make a whole lot of noise. It's just it's just so hard with with the losses they've had in terms of personnel over the last couple of seasons. Every time they start having some standout players, whether it's Nicolas Sula, Rudy, now Mark Luther Schalke, they just lose these players one after one, season after season. It's it's tough to to continue playing at a high level when when there's that much of a talent suck from your squad. But you know at the same time, it's 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 Julian Nagelsmann, and I don't think he's the kind of person to take anything lightly. This is a you know, he's still so young, obviously. He's just starting his managerial career. Uh, he figures to be someone who's trying to grow his brand and, and be a Champions League manager for many, many years to come. So I think he'll definitely look at that opportunity to play in the group stage as a very, very serious one for him, as a learning opportunity, something to, you know, test himself and 
dip his feet into the water for a competition I'm sure he's going to be a part of for a long time. I mean, 20 years from now, Julian Nagelsmann could be younger than a lot of managers that are, you know, managing in the Champions League at the moment. Um, he's, th- what, 30, 31 maybe? 31, um, yeah, he's 31 yeah, years it's, old. It's insane. So uh, is it possible that he loses the dressing room because of his imminent departure? Maybe, particularly later in the season, if things haven't gone so well, you know, maybe they'll fall off even more at the end of the, you know, because they'll be like, ah, we're already kind of having a bad season. We only have a month left. He's leaving. You know, what's it matter? But um, I, I definitely wouldn't worry about Nagelsmann's mind being elsewhere. Um, I think he definitely wants to leave Hoffenheim in a good place. This is the club that gave him his first opportunity at a senior level as a manager. I think he he owes them uh, that and, and will probably try to, you know, repay that and put them in a good position again for, for next season. Um, and as Richard said, you know, proving yourself to your future employers and continuing to build his his brand as a manager. Um, it, it's going to be tough for them, but I do like some of the signings they've made. Belfort Hill, Bilton Court, Chetro Grifo, Kasim Adams, as you said, those are, yeah. those are some good signings. And um, we'll have to wait and see. All right, guys, well, we're coming down to the uh, to the to the end of things here. We're going to talk about the three teams that we think are going to go back down to the second Bundesliga. So two for sure and one in the relegation playoff. Um, I will start with myself. And, you know, I'm going to nominate, first of all, I think Fortuna Düsseldorf is going right back down. I, I just, um, they're one of those, they're, what, what do they call them, the yo-yo teams. They, they come up, they go down, they come up, they go down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that, uh, you know, Düsseldorf is, 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 they're one of those Traditionsvereins, as they call them, you know, back in the 60s. They were good and all this stuff. But, you know, um, I, I just, I, I, my, my, my gut says that they just, they don't have the quality to, to sustain. And I know that in the last couple of years, Ingolstadt, Darmstadt, they've stayed up. And obviously last season, Hanover stayed up and Stuttgart stayed up. But those are, those are two pretty big clubs. I mean, they, 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 they really had no business being relegated in the first place. And so it was no surprise that they came right back up. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to nominate Düsseldorf as one of the teams to go down. Uh, as far as the other teams go, I think that Frankfurt will be the team that has the most challenge to stay up. I think they will probably finish in 16th spot. I think they'll finish the relegation playoff. And I'll tell you why, uh, they have done this, this dance once before with, uh, the Europa league and they, you know, struggled mightily because they tried to compete in Europe. So with the caveat that if Frankfurt truly does not care about the Europa League and they they focus all their attention on the Bundesliga, then everything I say is basically a wash. I think that they are a team that can finish between 10th and 15th if they say we're not focusing on Europe. We're going to give, as I said with Hoffenheim before, our fans six glorious European nights so some team from Bosnia will come to Frankfurt. Some team from Lithuania will come to Frankfurt. And we will travel to Ukraine. That's, that's awesome. Um, if they do that and they focus their attention on the league, then I think that they can, they can achieve, uh, uh, obviously, staying up. But if they, if they try to put their resources into the Europa League and they try to compete on, on three fronts, Frankfurt will fail miserably. They have lost too much talent. Um, and obviously their manager, Nico Kovac, was a large part of why that team has been so successful over the past two years. 
and obviously making two straight, two consecutive DFB Pokal finals, winning one of them against Bayern Munich. They were in Champions League contention for much of last season. That is all in the past. I think Frankfurt will be doing very well in playing for survival. The other team that I think may go down again this season is Hannover's Exelmoinzig. I do not favor their team. I think they lost their best player to Schalke and Salif Sané. Um, they are they were dangerously close. They basically did so well. They had such a great start to the beginning of last season that they sort of got into immunity as the season progressed. But they had a very rough stretch in the uh, uh, Rückrunde, so the second half of the season. They were they were safe enough that they could lose some matches, and they lost a lot. And, but they never really had to worry because Hamburg and Cologne were so bad that uh, Ham- Hanover never really played into it. I don't think that will be the case this year. I think Hanover could be in serious danger going back down. I think that Düsseldorf potentially will be the 18th place team, and I think Frankfurt could be fighting for that 16th spot in relegation. Uh, Jack, I go to you. Who do you see your three teams that are in the most danger of going down? You think Hanover is going to get relegated even with the addition of the best striker in the Bundesliga in Bobby Wood? <laughs> I think that could be why they get relegated. Yo, Bobby. <laughs> um, I, I like those shots a lot. Uh, the one I disagree with, with and I, I completely understand your logic. I completely understand your reasoning. There's nothing wrong with it. Then don't, then don't argue me. Just just but completely I, understand I just, it. You completely I, understand I, it. I just, I like Eintracht Frankfurt's squad even even now too much to think they're going to be in that much trouble. Are they going to dip? Probably. Um, I could see teams like Werder Bremen and Stuttgart passing them potentially uh, this upcoming season, but I I just don't see them hanging out that low in the table. I think. Wait a second low. though. Hold on a second though. Before, let me interrupt you. I did say I I made the caveat and I in in my defense. That if they focus on the league, I said, they, if they focus on the league, if they say, you know, we understand that we are not in the position to fight in Europe and in Germany. If they focus on the league and they say we're going to give six glorious Night Star fans, I don't believe they will go down. But I said, if they decide to fight the two-front war, that's where they're going to struggle because of squad depth. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Continue. No, which is fair. Uh I'm going to agree with you about uh, Fortuna Düsseldorf. Yeah. I think they're going to go right back down. Um, I think Nuremberg... No! Don't you say it, damn it. No! No, I, I, I think... And I, I kind of want them to, just so we can keep this Schalke pipe. No! With them. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> they're our feeder club. They're not, they're not going to sell us players. Guys, that, that's, my, that's, that's my hometown club, guys. Come on, don't, don't be no, doing that. Don't be doing I, that. No, I, I, that's, that's a cool club. I, I like them a lot. I, I think it might be them as well. And then I'm, my third pick, the, champion, uh, the, the wow, Champions League, wow. The, uh, the relegation playoff pick for me is maybe Wolfsburg. Oh, stop. Again? Just, you really think so? Again? What they what they do in the offseason? Uh, they didn't get relegated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that's about it. I, I don't dislike your Hanover call. Um, I think they liked they, uh, they lost uh, Divock Origi. That, that's what they did. They, they Hanover definitely overperformed last season a little bit. That start they got off to, I think yes. they beat Schalke in the in the yeah in yeah in the very and they yeah. they I think they beat Schalke in the first game of the season. Now we we beat Leipzig first game of the season. Yeah, but, second game, second, um, second game, second, second game, yeah, second game, yeah, yeah, super, yeah. Super, um, yeah I, I I agree with you. I think I think they overachieved a little bit. I think they could be in the mix. I, I yeah, 
for, for me, it's like Nuremberg, Fortuna Dusseldorf, Wolfsburg, Hanover, and maybe Freiburg competing at the bottom part of the table there. Those are kind of my teams I think are going to hang out down there. Okay, okay. Richard, who, uh, I, 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 will, I couldn't say Nuremberg just because I, I grew up, you know, 60 kilometers from Nuremberg, and I really want them to stay up. They are, they, they, their nickname is the club, all right? Their nickname is the club. I mean, come on, we, you know, let's give these guys some love. They have such a great relationship with Schalke. You guys should show them a little bit of favoritism here. Let them stay up. Come on, Richard. <laughs> Help me out here. Help me out. <laughs> All right, so uh, the first team I have probably going down is Dortmund. No, I'm just kidding. Um, hey, Fortuna, that, uh, <laughs> Fortuna, <laughs> Fortuna Dusseldorf, I think they're definitely going down. Um, like you said, they're yo-yo club. They're going to go up and they go back down. Uh, unfortunately, I, I'm kind of with Jack, and I think Nuremberg, I, you know, our, I would love to see our future club stay in the league and, you know, continue the partnership, but I, I don't know if they have enough to stay in the league because I, like I just like the teams that are in the Bundesliga right now more so than I like what Nuremberg have to offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the team I think is going to make the playoff or be in the playoffs is Mainz because I'm not yeah. liking what they brought in. And I'm I'm really I think the guys that they lost it Diallo was from you from from Mainz wasn't he Yes he was Yeah and they also lost Serder and they lost a couple other, a couple other guys I, they really didn't make any great additions that I liked so I wasn't too fancy on Mainz last year and then I think that this year they're going to be going down or in the relegation playoff at least For me that's just a club that's been run so well that that I I just yeah, kind of have no, to give them the benefit of the doubt and think they're going to find a way to avoid that but I I, I definitely see where you're coming from with that. Okay, so guys, who is your surprise Bundesliga team? Who do you think that didn't do any? So, didn't qualify for Europe last year, kind of stayed under the radar. Who do you see making the biggest jump this year? So, so if I, I guess this year's Schalke or this year's Leverkusen, who do you see making the biggest impact that isn't on the radar right now? I don't know if anyone's going to jump like from significantly down the table like mid table into a champions league position but i think it's maybe a couple of the teams i mentioned a couple minutes ago in stuttgart and Werder bremen yeah. um I'm, I'm optimistic about Werder bremen's chances this year to, to make some noise and potentially challenge for for europe so i think maybe one of those two teams are gonna be a little bit more competitive than they had been in recent seasons i like that okay richard what about you yeah um I, you know, I, I I certainly think there will be at least six teams worthy enough of fighting for the Champions League spots this year. So it's going to be a dog fight. But my surprise team is, is kind of like what Jack is saying, and I'm going with Stuttgart. Uh, I like what they did last year. They just missed out. Um, it's a good young team. You know, it's unfortunate that they got relegated a couple of years ago, but uh, they're back. They they kind of got their their way a little bit about them. They're, they're they have such a great stadium, great fan. They got good players. I mean, I can't see. I, can't say anything wrong with these guys with this team um there's one so thing think, wrong there's one thing wrong and, and unfortunately it's it's the manager typhoon corporate he well yeah yeah so 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 i could see him potentially going from the most beloved underdog to being the first manager sacked in 2018-19 because yeah, start poorly yeah yeah i agree with everything you and jack have said that stuttgart is young they're talented they've done good business in the transfer market they brought back uh daniel didavi i think that they are a legitimate threat to challenge for the europa league spot but i think typhoon Korkut got a horseshoe up his ass last year and they <laughs> went on that like nine or ten game unbeaten streak which got them from basically 
relegation spot to seventh place. And I just do not see them repeating that under Korkut this season. I, I unfortunately I think that the manager will be their their Achilles heel. Hey, that's fair show. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll see here coming weeks and what happens. Um, cause that is the that is the wild card in this whole thing. Is what is the manager gonna do? Cause that that team definitely has the the skill level to compete in for the Europa League. Uh, but it's what whether the manager or not has the the tactics and the wherewithal to get this team where they need to be. Um, yeah, it'd be it'd be amazing if he can get to you know go out with another win streak like that. But it's very unlikely, like you said. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Jack on this. I like Vera Bremen. I think Florian Kohfeldt is a, a good young manager. I think that he came on the scene last year. And unlike Typhon Kukut, I think that he actually is going to carry that momentum into this season. Uh, obviously, Max Kruse, I'm a big fan of. I think that he is uh, the perpetual drunk striker that keeps on scoring goals. <laughs> Uh, the, the party boy, I, I, I love everything about Max Cruzzi. I think that he's, uh, you know, he's fit in like a glove in Bremen. He's taken like a fish to water. I do see them. They have flirted with Europa League a couple of times over the past couple of seasons. And I think this might be the year that they finally get into that six, seven spot. So, uh, I, I agree, Jack, uh, Vera Bremen's a good shout. Uh, Richard, I think you said them, but I'm not sure. Um, I know you said Stuttgart, but uh, the only thing I see holding Stuttgart back is the manager. But it's because of the manager that I see Veta Bremen potentially being a, a bigger threat to, to, to make that spot. So, all right, we've come to the end. So we're going to have our uh, top seven predictions. Uh, so <laughs> let's, let's call it how it is. So seventh place, basically, if you, let's see, seventh place. In Stuttgart's situation last year, it did nothing for them. But normally, uh, if you're in seventh place, that means Europa League because the winner of the DFB Pokal is usually already qualified for the Champions League or the Europa League, which means the seventh place team gets in to Europe. So, Jack, we'll start with you. Who are your top seven in the Bundesliga this season? This is so tough. Uh do you want me to reverse engineer this or go from number one down? Go from seven to one. Yeah, Bubba. Seven to one, seven to one. <laughs> um, and by the way, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. For your four Champions League teams, yeah, you're going to give me the finish, how they finish in the Champions League. Okay. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Bremen seven. Okay. Just for, just for fun. I'm going to go... Gladbox six. Mm-hmm. Leipzig five. Schalke four. Leverkusen three. Dortmund two. Bayern one. Okay, so you're one through four. How did the champ? How did how did the Champions League teams from last season finish? Start with Hoffenheim. Yeah, I see. I, I see them finishing the worst. Okay. Um, of those, uh, and then probably Schalke as well. Um, maybe third, second. I think Bayern Munich is once again going to go the furthest. Although I don't like their chances to make any significant noise very late in the tournament this season. Okay. All right, uh, Richard, you're one th- seven through one and top four from last season. How far do they go in Europe? All right. Uh, in seventh spot, I have Stuttgart. Okay. 
Uh, sixth place, I have Hoffenheim. In fifth place, I have Dortmund. What? Uh, I do. <laughs> I do. Oh, you uh, got to four- be kidding me! <laughs> oh my god! In fourth place, I have Leverkusen, and I have them probably going into round of sixteen Champions League or in Europa League. Um, in third place, I have Bayern. But I had them going the farthest in the Champions League. I had them going at least to the quarters, maybe third semis. for Bayern. Wow. Yep. I, li- um, I like in this. S- in second spot, I have RB Leipzig. Oh my God. And Leipzig, uh, what are they doing? They're in Europa League, so they're probably. They're, I, I have them like at least going to quarterfinals in Europa League. Um, and then I have Schalke winning the league, but I don't have them leaving the group stage of Champions League. So there it is. Okay. All right. Um, How do you like them apples? I, 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 I look. Those are. Uh, take five minutes to try to regroup from that. I know that was hard for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Well, he gave me. Uh, okay, so what Richard I think just you like? I think you like my top seven a lot better so far. I, I did, but what <laughs> what Richard just did was he gave me agony followed by ecstasy followed by more agony. That's what that's what that's what he did. He's like, oh, I'll give you Schalke going out in the group stage, but they're going to win the German championship. And I'm going to give you Bayern finishing third, but Dortmund finished fifth, so they don't get Champions League. I'm like, okay, so that 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 was that was probably the most fucked up top seven that I could have possibly <laughs> possibly imagined. So, um, so my top seven. Uh, I do have uh, Vera Bremen finishing in seventh. I like them to finish in that seventh spot. So depending on what happens in the day of April call, they either make Europe or they don't, but they will be at least be in contention for that. Um, I have uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach finishing in sixth place next season. So they will be back. Oh, wow. Yeah. Back in Europe. Um, and I locked up so far. Yeah. So, so I have uh, Vera Bremen, uh, uh, Gladbach, in fifth place, I have Leverkusen finishing in fifth place again, barely on the uh, the the outskirts there. Uh, in fourth place, I have FC Schalke Neufia. So back to back Champions Champions League qualifications for the uh, Royal Blues. In third place, I have RB Leipzig. Uh, they will uh, be back in the Champions League. In second place, I have FC Bayern München. And in first place, and winners of the Bundesliga for the first time since 2011-2012, I have BVB, Borussia Mönchengladbach, Borussia Dortmund. They will uh, finally get over the hump, and I think that this team will, in fact, gel more than people think they will. I, I really, I, I put an article out last week about Axel Witzel uh, possibly being able to be the difference maker for uh, uh, Borussia Dortmund. I think I really like this team. I don't think that the wins against uh, Lazio and Liverpool were a fluke. I think that they played, um, whether it be preseason or not, I, I, have to, I have to put my bias a little bit to the forefront here. I have to believe that Dortmund can win the league. And I really think that they have a roster that says that they can as far as the Champions League goes, I think Dortmund advanced to the round of 16, and I think that's pretty much where it ends for them. And I think that might be why. That might be why they have a better shot to win the league, because I do see Bayern Munich advancing to 
the semifinals of the Champions League once again. I think that um, they just have the talent to, and they have experience. Whether Niko Kovac, um, whether he does enough as a manager to get them there or not, these players, they, 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 they know how to win. Robert Lewandowski in the Champions League, uh, Frank Ribéry, Arjen Robben, uh, Javi Martinez, uh, Thomas Müller, they know how to win in the Champions League. They are, they are the most experienced German team of all time in that competition. They're going to take it, I think, into April again with that competition. And I think that would be Dortmund's opening because they will long since be out of Europe. They have three, well, let's say two, two months to really make a run at Bayern. And I think if, if the opportunity presents itself and they play their cards correctly, they can do that. So I'm going a little bit with my heart here over my head. Uh, I know that I said on a podcast last week I, uh, that Byron would win the league by single digits. But that's my head talking. My heart says Dortmund wins it narrowly. And they do so because Bayern is, is going to as they always do, they try their best in Europe. Uh, as far as Schalke goes, I do actually think it depends largely on the draw for them. If they get a good draw in the Champions League, there's nothing to hold Schalke back from advancing into February in the Champions League. I think they can they can absolutely get to the round of 16. Uh, from that point on, you're facing a quality opponent no matter who it is. So it's, it's you know, basically top two in every group. That's going to be difficult for me to say that Schalke is going to, to, to advance past that stage. I think Dortmund and Schalke could both go out in the round of 16. That only helps them in the league. That means that there is no Europa League. They go directly into basically however far they are on the DFB call, and they only have to focus on the league from that point out. Bayern will definitely advance past the round of 16, and that is this, the, uh, the so-called German Doppelbelastung where you have to fight the war on two, possibly three fronts. So... I think Schalke and Dortmund both are uh, uh, will be beneficiaries from that particular scenario. Paltenheim, they will not advance past the group stage. In fact, I could see them finishing dead last in the group. Which, in a, in essence, if they finish dead last, they would go right back into the league. There would be no Europa League. And they could focus on just simply qualifying in, in a nice safe spot for next season. So, that is how I see the top seven going. Um, obviously, for me... Ultimately, a bias pick with Dortmund, but uh, I think Richard, you probably went down that road as well. Me? No, I wouldn't do that. No, I, I guess I'm, the, I'm the only sane one left here. I think so. I, I honestly, Jack, Jack's got the most likely one. <laughs> uh, Jack does actually have the most likely scenario of happening. Uh, Bayern with a seventh consecutive uh, Bundesliga title, which just, just, just because I'm sick and tired of saying that, I had to go Dortmund on this. Obviously, I couldn't say Schalke. I couldn't. I could say, couldn't say that. Um, so, you know, I think Richard, you and I are sticking our necks out a little bit. Uh, the fact that Schalke has never won a Bundesliga title since the uh, Bundesliga actually became the quote unquote Bundesliga. That you have to go and say that. Well, I, I said that because I think I think Richard is sticking his neck out just a tad bit further than I am uh, since Dortmund I have has done. Cojones. You do. You absolutely do. I, I will. I will say that you do have bigger cojones. You have Dortmund finishing in a Europa League spot for crying out loud. I mean, you know, Jesus. I have Bayern finishing in third. I know that's that's yeah. Critty, I, critty. If Dortmund wins the league, I'll send you some banana bread. Yes, 
but it has to be. Can you get uh, something from uh, either Klopp or Lalana? I'll have to ask them for yeah. the recipes. I'll DM. I'll DM them. Hey on guys, time. honest, honest question. When's the next Kings of Breakfast podcast? Oh, Kings, Kings of, of Breakfast. First Kings of Breakfast podcast. They, yeah, Kings of Breakfast. Uh, we'll we'll do that in two weeks. I will be making the pancakes. I got some good pancakes coming up. Uh, Jack, you're responsible for the banana bread. I mean, that's just that's your thing now at this point. Sounds sounds like a plan. Richard, you bring the protein. Bring the meats. <laughs> All right, guys. I want to go ahead and wrap this up. Please. Tell everybody real quick uh, where they can find you and tell them real quick about the Shalkit podcast. Uh, Richard, go ahead and uh, start off. Uh, tell people where they can find you on Twitter and um, tell them about the Shalkit podcast. All right. Uh, you can find me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N on uh, Twitter or, or even uh, Instagram. Um, and then, yeah, the Shalkit podcast. It's a little brainchild of ours. Uh we're we're the only English English language Shaka podcast on Earth. That's right, on Earth, as far as we know, at least. That's where we're taking claim for. Um, so yeah, it's uh, we talk all things Shaka. Um, there's tons of fans around the world who who are Shaka fans, and a lot of them speak English. And so we're trying to reach out to them because we knew that we we saw the need was there. So, uh, yeah, hey, Jack's a better speaker than I, so I'll let him uh, elaborate more. <laughs> Jack, tell him yeah, about we- it. Tell him about it. Yeah, you can find me at uh, J.M. Uh, Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N, on Twitter. Uh, one episode deep back into the new season for the Shaka podcast. I'm sure we'll have another one coming up here shortly following this uh, DFB Pokal encounter tomorrow. Uh, and we have a also, new logo, a new season. Yes, new logo. slick new logo, courtesy of at uh, Julius underscore Visnu on Twitter. Make sure to give him some love, so we appreciate that. Um, yeah, you know, going to be a weekly weekly show as much as possible and looking forward to a, a great second season and uh yeah please tune in well guys uh i can vouch for that the show is awesome i i've, I've been privileged enough to be a guest on there myself yeah, a lot of fun uh, and and I, I know there's a guy probably named like uh uh, uh georg muller or somebody that has a a, a an english-speaking mm-hmm. soccer podcast from his mom's basement somewhere in gesenkirchen it's like no i have also the english-speaking podcast yeah, five to these Two assholes keep talking about this English-speaking <laughs> podcast. This is not factual. So uh, We're going to keep saying that until we get a cease and desist letter. That's right. Well, he's in Germany, so expect a good attorney to come crawling, crawling up, your, up your door. Probably works for the Bundesliga, too. <laughs> yeah, he probably does. <laughs> uh, well, guys, I've, I've been your host, uh, Curtis Smith, at, uh, at Twitter, at Curtis Smith. And you can find the show, uh, obviously, at Kings of Europe, at K-I-N-G-S-O-F-E-U-R. Um, guys, I want to thank you again so much for being here. Richard, Jack, it's always uh, uh, an absolute pleasure to have you guys on. It's been a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to a hell of a Bundesliga season, even though Richard and I are basically lunatics with our picks. Um, Jack, you will probably, at the end of these 34 match days, uh, be the sane one amongst us, and you will uh, claim your Kings of Europe trophy as the uh, predictor and uh, uh, forecaster of this season because I think that you uh, you you went with your heart over your head and uh, uh, with your head over your heart. Richard and I did not do that. Obviously, Jack Stradamus. Jack Stradamus. Jack Stradamus. Well, guys, it's been fun. Love you guys, and I will talk to all of you very shortly. Take care. Until then, bye bye.